0: Hello, and welcome to Afternoonified, the podcast where I absolutely refuse to talk about Bigfoot ever again. I'm Emily. And I'm Sarah. Hey, great news. There isn't a single
1: Bigfoot in this entire episode. Oh, thank God. Yeah, this is a completely different eight-foot-tall hairy bipedal creature.
0: (laughs) Motherfucker. Decide where to cut myself off. I realized that if you like cut yourself off where it, it says to do it, then it sounds weird. But if you just say oh, the like, oh, like if word... you like, um, so if
1: you actually do like a motherfucker,
0: yeah, it sounds weird.
1: You got to actually edit the cut in rather than uh-huh. like uh-huh. edit the cut in with your mouth.
0: Mm-hmm. Smart. This is something I learned from film editing and writing scripts.
1: <laughs> this is a uh, good audio editing content. <laughs>
0: I'm going to start an audio editing podcast. Um, actually, hi, everyone. Um, I'm going to just say at the top of the show, this is our last episode for a little while. Oh, right. I forgot. Like, I know, obviously,
1: we're going into a break, but like, I forgot we have to like tell people about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a little summer vacation until August. But when we come back in August, Sarah and I will have a very, very special present.
1: Yes. I don't know if it's a present for anyone else but us, but...
0: Yeah, I don't know if it'll be... I don't know if you'll be able to, like, tell, but (laughs) you'll see. On that cryptic (laughs) note... (laughs) Oh, yeah. Um, Speaking of cryptic, what are we... What is this? So, I wanted to talk
1: about the Bennington Triangle. And I don't know why, but I am obsessed with the Bennington Triangle. It is my favorite triangle.
0: I was just gonna ask, is it just this triangle, or do you have, like, a mysterious triangle thing it is specifically
1: this triangle like as a kid i was terrified of the bermuda triangle um as you are because you know you watch like one discovery channel documentary at the age of eight and you're like documentary (laughs) documentary and i was gonna say scare quotes um (laughs) and it's just like you know how you think about like the you are introduced to the concept of the bermuda triangle and it's like how are how are more people not talking about this this is terrifying
0: I, I will admit my like my mom sailed through the Bermuda Triangle a couple of years ago on a cruise and I was very nervous. Um as a grown person. <laughs> yes. She's fine. She came back from France. <laughs> so we
1: are gonna um our sources for today are um a website called Legends of America. Ooh. Um the sources are all over the place for this one because there's I mean, I'm gonna be completely honest with you. There's very little in the way of like hard news sources on the Bennington Triangle. When you cite
0: your sources, I need you to say what color the text was and what color the background was.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so Legends of America is yellow background black text.
0: Uh, what? <laughs> not like,
1: it was like a light kind of not, pastel yellow. It no, actually no, no. wasn't oh, too God. bad. <laughs> this is Vermont, which is actually not like a weirdo blog. It's just a regular hi- boring history blog. Um, all that's interesting uh, the Bennington Banner, which is an actual newspaper, um, <laughs> and then some additional information from a blog called Obscure Vermont, which is very interesting and in that I would highly recommend. Uh, and then Wikipedia, because of course- Vermont.
0: Hmm. Yeah. I thought it go was- No, that's a to different triangle. Yeah, that's a different triangle I was thinking of in the South. What are the,
1: what's the Southern Triangle? I know there's one also in like Massachusetts called the Bridgewater Triangle. Oh, but no, that's what I'm thinking of.
0: One. Never mind. Okay. It's not- That's not in the South either, right? Nope. <laughs> that's another New
1: England one. But we're going to talk about this specific triangle. So as we're talking about geography, the Bennington Triangle is an area of southwestern Vermont. And while sources remain hazy on like what the actual points of the triangle are, it's not like the Bermuda Triangle where you can point to like Florida, Bermuda, whatever the other one is. <laughs>
0: Cuba, maybe? Yeah, it's just like um, a, a sh- an area. Like it, yeah. it may not necessarily be a triangle.
1: Yeah, most agree that it centers on Glastonbury Mountain and its surrounding towns, most notably Bennington, of course, Woodford, Shaftesbury, and the unincorporated ghost towns of Somerset and Glastonbury.
0: I feel like Glastonbury, as a name, is generally, like, kind of haunted. Yeah,
1: it feels very spooky, just in general. It makes me think of, like, fairies and Stonehenge. I don't actually know where Stonehenge is. I think it's... It might be near Glastonbury.
0: We need to do an episode on
1: Stonehenge. It's a bunch of rocks. They stood them up.
0: Yeah, but how we did don't they know get why they're there? there? It's in Wil- Wiltshire? Wiltshire? I'm sure our British listeners will correct me.
1: Look, you should be impressed I have a handle on, like, American geography. I'm not going to – I can only know so much. More the pronunciation. <laughs> the term itself was coined in 1992 by Vermont author and folklorist Joseph A. Citro, uh, who himself has garnered such nicknames as the Ghost Master General and Bard of the Bazaar. He's actually much cooler uh, than you would think.
0: I don't know. His nickname is the Bard of the Bazaar. That's pretty cool.
1: (laughs) I'm going to say he's not like a Joseph Keel or David Politis, is what I mean by that.
0: Ah. I have some opinions
1: on Keel. <laughs> so according to the tales, the area surrounding Glastonbury Mountains has long been a hotspot for weird phenomena, including, but not limited to, strange lights, UFOs, mysterious stone cairns, uh a boulder that will open up and swallow you whole.
0: Excuse me? It's
1: a big rock that eats people.
0: I'm I'm gonna need more information.
1: <laughs> I mean that's that's the information. Uh it's supposedly a Native American legend about a big rock that eats you if you touch it. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Alright.
1: Sure. Why not? (laughs) Stories of weirdness date back to the colonial times, uh, declare many of my sources with almost no accompanying citation. (laughs) Fair enough. (laughs) One of the most famous is the Bennington Monster, a Bigfoot or Bigfoot-like creature that supposedly stalks the mountain.
0: It's a bear.
1: I mean, I'm, okay, I'm going to tell you a story about the Bennington Monster, and I would love to hear uh, your take on it.
0: Even if you so, didn't want to hear my take on it,
1: <laughs> I assumed we would get it anyway. Yep. Uh, so one of the first reported sightings was in the early 1800s, and there was a state co- stagecoach making its way up the mountain. Uh, but it was in the middle of this, like, huge downpour. And the road ahead was washed out, so they were forced to stop. Uh, when the driver got out uh, just to, like, try and dig the stagecoach out of the mud, he noticed there were large footprints that were much too big to belong to anyone the coach, or indeed, anyone human at all. Before he could warn his passengers, the stagecoach was knocked on its side by a large creature. Witnesses reported seeing nothing but a pair of eyes and hearing a monstrous roar as the creature ran off into the woods.
0: So a bear. That's what I thought, too, maybe.
1: I don't know what kind of bears inhabit the Vermont woods, but I imagine there are bears
0: yeah vermont bears what do you got for me? <laughs> that seems like i'm gonna get like a gay bar or something but vermont bears native
1: can you just google are there bears in vermont
0: black bears there's black bears in vermont
1: okay so yeah maybe it was the bear just gonna throw that out there
0: yeah black bears are a little smaller than the grizzly which i think the grizzly is mistaken for um bigfoot a lot
1: But I feel in the dark, you
0: wouldn't know. Exactly.
1: Remember the Mothman episode where we talked about how people are really bad at judging the size of things? As one of those people, yes. (laughs) Just yeah, just going to say that too. Uh, so legend states that uh the region's indigenous inhabitants warned early settlers away from the mountain believing it to be cursed. Uh this story however only really started popping up in the early 80s, which is also the time like poltergeist was a big hit and like Native American Native American curses were trendy. Ugh. <laughs> I think I think a lot about um the Native American character in uh what's it called parks and rec where it's just like white people love curses (laughs) i was like i think it's really just as likely that the indigenous people of the area knew better than to try and scrape a living off of like a fucking mountain like the growing season was short like it's way up in the sky the terrain is rough the winters are cold and long like maybe just don't live there (laughs) doesn't have to be cursed for them to stay away from it. And there's fucking
0: bears up there. <laughs> there's big, giant bears that knock your stagecoach over. <laughs> and probably, like, cougars and shit. Like, Yeah, no, it seems, if this is if, big, if true, um, <laughs> that white people don't always listen when you tell them something. And again, as one of these people, if they're like, hey, don't go up there like it's going to be bad for you, then they're going to be like, ah, I am a big, strong person i can do it but if you're like it's cursed then like the very religious i assume settlers would be like oh shit the devil and that will keep (laughs) them away
1: (laughs) yeah pretty much uh so for many years the region's biggest industries were logging and charcoal production uh at least up to the point where there were literally no more trees left to burn
0: i was gonna say how do you get into charcoal production but it's literally just burning trees Yep, pretty much Hmm.
1: uh it it was revived the like um, the town of Glastonbury um, briefly in 1894 as like a tourist destination. Uh, but the railroad is then wiped out by a flood <laughs> and no one went up there anymore, uh, which is you know, it's just to say the Bennington triangle is not a terribly forgiving piece of land. Uh, and even today, like the greater Glastonbury area is largely uninterrupted wilderness. So there are two major hiking trails, uh, both the Vermont Long trail and a portion of the Appalachian trail that kind of crossed through the region.
0: Isn't so, it the Appalachian Trail, Sarah? It's
1: whatever I say it is.
0: Fair enough. I I,
1: I say how words are pronounced, all of them.
0: <laughs> it's
1: a new role you've taken on. <laughs> you know what? It's Friday night and I'm feeling feisty.
0: We don't usually record on Fridays. <laughs> nope. And this is
1: probably why.
0: So, it's definitely it not because you put off writing the episode. I mean...
1: That was part of it. We would have also done last night, but I was out to dinner last night, so.
0: (laughs) It makes it fun if there's flexibility. Remember that, kids. (laughs) So Uh,
1: this area, as you would expect, is exactly the kind of setting where you could, you know, walk into the woods and never be seen or heard from again. And in fact, many have. So, most famously, and what it kind of gets its name name for, is um, the Bennington Triangle is known for a string of mysterious disappearances, five in all, between 1945 and 1950.
0: When I post this with the name Bennington Triangle, are we going to invite a bunch of fucking goblins into our reviews again? (laughs) I mean, yes. All
1: right. I don't think it'll be Missing 411 Bad, where we have to rename the episode.
0: Yeah. But... All right, I'll I'll <laughs> I'll take the goblins, I guess.
1: <laughs> Dear goblins, just shut the episode off right now. I'm actually going to try and be a good sport about this because this is a fun story.
0: I didn't watch any of the documentaries. I didn't read any of the books.
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, so the first disappearance was 74-year-old Mitty Rivers. He disappeared while on a hunting trip near the Long Trail. So according to the story, Rivers successfully guided his four friends up the mountain, but on the way back, he got out ahead of the group. His friends expected they would catch up to him at their camp, but when they arrived, he wasn't there and, in fact, would never be seen again.
0: It's adorable thinking of a group of 74-year-old men camping, but for some reason in my head, they're all wearing, like, little scout costumes.
1: (laughs) With the shorts and the bandanas. With the the shorts and the bandanas.
0: And the little hat.
1: Yep. That's exactly what I picture, too. (laughs) Now. I mean, I didn't before, but now that's what I'm picturing.
0: It's Russell from Up, but a 74-year-old man.
1: An extensive search was conducted by over 300 locals and even army soldiers stationed at Fort Devens in Massachusetts. Uh, But even though they combed through the wilderness for eight full days, the only evidence ever recovered was a single rifle cartridge. cartridge.
0: Is there water that runs like a river or a stream? Or yeah, and I actually
1: think they found the rifle cartridge in the spring or in the like stream. Like they they had hypothesized that like he had leaned over and it had fallen out of his pocket. Hmm. But, um, so most sources on the internet declare Rivers was an experienced hunter who knew the area well, uh, which is a detail that gets thrown into stories like this a lot without much to back it up.
0: Yeah, like, (laughs) are we going to cite the source for that one? Yeah.
1: But, like, it isn't something that, like, you can point to, like, contemporary sources in a newspaper that say this. It's just copy and pasted all over the internet.
0: Funny how that happens.
1: (laughs) So the blog Obscure Vermont uh, quotes a local to the area uh, that's just as sure Rivers was actually from Massachusetts and that he'd had to borrow a rifle from his brother-in-law just for the trip, which, you know, I'd be apt to believe, except like some lady you meet in the woods is also not a reliable source. No. And here's my little digression is like pretty much every source you'll see on the internet is sparse on details or a source from Citro's book, which even like he labels at for labels as folklore and without access to you know contemporary news articles actually covering the disappearance it's almost impossible like in any of these stories to parse what's true and what's been added over the years to make a more compelling narrative
0: yeah but i i think that happens a lot with these kinds of stories like uh, it was in the thinking sideways episode where some people went missing on a boat which happens a lot yeah but everyone in the the guy's family was like, he is an excellent sailor. He could never fuck up the boat. And then other people who are arguably more objective were like, no, he was okay at best. Like, like he,
1: yeah, he could he could do a boat, but he wasn't like boat expert.
0: Yeah, it's it's that thing where um, people don't want to accept that like something just weird and fucked like. They want something more complex to have yeah, been the cause. Yeah, they want a reason
1: for things to happen. Yeah, yeah, not
0: just he got lost or he fell into the water or something like that. It it's in the same vein of like when you interview murder victim families, they're all like, She was a beautiful soul. She loved to laugh. There's gonna be one person who's more objective that's like Cheryl was kind of an asshole. But She lit up the room. She would give you the shirt off her back. Very rarely is that the case. They're usually just people. Uh, yeah, people are people. But yeah, I think it. that kind of those claims come from people wanting there to be a better reason for where the, why their loved one is gone, other than they just weren't mm-hmm. as good at the thing that they were trying to do. Or just like,
1: shit happens, and sometimes it's bad shit. And that's hard to accept. Yeah. So on the point of these, like, what's true and what's not, uh, Citro kind of takes this view that uh, I'm just going to go ahead and quote him here. Uh, so he said to the Berkshire Eagle in 2014, he said, to me, the importance is the stories inspire people to look more deeply into things. Uh, I never say the stories are true or untrue. I say they are stories. If the story of the Bennington Triangle were not told, it's likely all those people who vanished would then be forgotten. And that would be a shame.
0: So it's a way to uh, to keep people interested and in, in looking and yeah. trying to solve the case. Yeah. Makes so sense. In that spirit, I'm going
1: to stop actively debunking. And just kind of share the stories, as you'll see them on the internet, and try not to think too much about them. I We're going to try to have fun today. and
0: I will 100% not do that, but okay. I mean,
1: I already, like, I'm going to make you this promise, but I already know later in my notes I'm debunking things a little bit, so.
0: Fair enough. We'll try to be
1: objective. I am going to say, it's one of those things where it's like, I know logically the answer is, these people got lost in the woods. Yeah. That being said, I like the idea that there's something mysterious, and like, that's what draws me like like such a said that's what kind of draws you into the story is like it's so weird that so many people have disappeared in such a small area
0: sometimes like the even stuff if you is- know
1: yeah like even if you know there's a logical explanation for it it's still interesting
0: well yeah because you don't know like even if it is that they wandered in the woods and got lost like there's still that element of like how did they get lost
1: yeah like we don't know what happened to really any of these people that we're gonna cover uh and that's it makes for a good story It And that's why they keep getting retold. So, moving on. (laughs) That's us covering our asses. (laughs) Arguably, the most famous disappearance connected to the Bennington Triangle is that of Paula Jean Weldon. And she was a sophomore at Bennington College who disappeared in December of 1946. So, according to her roommate, Paula had been planning to hike a leg of the Long Trail and was spotted by several people there, including an employee of the Bennington Banner who gave her directions, uh, as well as an elderly couple who were hiking about 100 yards behind her. So, their story is that Paula was, you know, she was just ahead of them. She turned a corner in the trail, and when they reached the same corner a few minutes later, she was gone. They couldn't see her ahead of them anymore. And they didn't see her again, and they wouldn't, neither did anybody else ever.
0: So they wandered off the, uh, sorry,
1: something happened to them. (laughs) So when Paula didn't show up for classes on Monday, another massive search was launched, boasting a thousand volunteers, bloodhounds, a helicopter, and even a $5,000 reward from the FBI. So people will say, like, the search is extensive, but this was also Vermont in the 1940s, and the investigative methods used by law enforcement were probably not terribly sophisticated. Uh, Weldon's father, as well as, like, just regular folks, they criticized the search, and the whole kerfuffle, essentially, eventually would prompt the formation of their Vermont state police. So, like, you'll see that it was a very extensive search, but apparently they didn't do that good because they had to... Make a whole other police unit for <laughs> because they didn't of have it. a
0: state police unit until the 40s. Nope, interesting. Yeah, how did they help? I mean, they didn't because they didn't exist. Because the implication of the police force implies like them needing more police, implies that a crime was committed unnecessarily. Well, isn't that what the police like their main their law enforcement? So, a law theoretically was broken and that's why they needed more police i i would add more park rangers i mean yeah but this is also the
1: 1940s and well um i guess like (laughs) if you i don't know aren't police also responsible for search and rescue in like areas like this or like just missing people like just because it isn't necessarily a crime it's a missing persons case i guess i guess
0: i just like, when the police are called in, I tend to assume that someone thinks that a law is being violated, but they do work on missing people, so that yeah. is a good point.
1: Uh, so, no clues to Paula's disappearance were ever found. No body, not even a scrap of clothing. Uh, and the case remains open to this day. Uh, and as a side note, if you want to read a really weird and spooky book that's inspired by this case, a very, very loosely inspired, um, I would highly recommend Shirley Jackson's Hangs a Man. Oh, fuck, um, Shirley Jackson. It might break your brain a little, but it's very good.
0: (laughs) I'm used to having my brain broken by reading, Sarah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Shirley Jackson is good at that. Yeah. Uh, So by far the weirdest case um, of the Bennington Triangle is that of 68-year-old James E. Tedford, who was a veteran and a resident of the Bennington Soldiers' Home. Uh, It's well documented that Tedford vanished, but no one is actually sure where he vanished from.
0: Why are all these
1: old men going into the woods? (laughs) So here's the thing. Tedford boarded a bus from St. Albans, Vermont, where he had been visiting relatives. Uh, But when the bus pulled into Bennington, Tedford was gone. His luggage had been left behind and a bus timetable was left open on his
0: seat. So he just vanished from the fucking bus? (laughs) Yeah, apparently. Did they check the toilet?
1: So, the bus driver, as well as many of his fellow passengers, all confirmed that he had been in his seat as recently as the last stop before Bennington. Uh, by all accounts, yeah, he had vanished from a moving bus. They, Who knows? And here's where, like, I know I said I wasn't going to do any debunking, but I did read this interesting fact that, uh for what it's worth, Tedford was not, in fact, reported missing immediately after the bus arrived in Bennington. It was a week later when the soldier's home where he lived, like, called the relatives he'd been visiting, like, hey, uh, is this guy coming back? <laughs> so like, by the time they actually interviewed the bus driver and the other passengers on the bus, nearly two weeks had passed since he'd last been seen. So, so
0: make of that what you will. <laughs> so what we have is this guy got on the bus, they saw him at the last stop, but no one can confirm that he got off the bus. Yeah,
1: I think generally it's believed that he probably did get off the bus at some stop, before beddington and just never got back on or like he missed like he got off to go to the bathroom and missed the bus or something or i think he said they i think i heard like he had a friend in burlington so he may have gotten off of burlington and disappeared from burlington so okay he did regardless like wherever he got off the bus we don't know what happened to him after and that is a
0: mystery so fun story about my dad (laughs) And I know you love a good Steve story. He was taking the train up from Los Angeles. I can't remember why. That's not important. But he got off the train to stretch his legs. And being my dad, who is a little absent-minded, um, he did not get back in time. And the train left without him. So This definitely sounds like something that would happen to your dad. Yes. So he had to take a cab, because this is before the lift times. Uh, he had to take a cab from that station to the next one, to try to beat the train. How did that work out for him? Did he, was he able to catch the train again? Yes, yes. Good for Steve. Which is good, because all of his stuff was on it. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> what I'm saying is, shit happens to old men. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good summary.
1: Good summary of that. <laughs> so, the next year, in October 1950, there was another disappearance. Uh, this time, it was an eight-year-old boy named Paul Jeffson who accompanied his mother as she tended to some pigs. So he had remained back in the truck in the his mother's truck, and when she returned an hour later, Paul was gone uh again, search parties were formed uh the police even brought in bloodhounds while they were able to pick up Paul's scent. They lost the trail at the intersection of East and Chapel roads, uh leaving some to believe he'd been picked up by a passing motorist, probably maybe um people also say that they lost the trail like um or the bloodhounds lost the trail exactly at the spot where like Paula Weldon had disappeared. But, like, I looked at a map, and I don't think so. <laughs> like, you can you can bring up the intersection of Easton Chapel, and it's nowhere near the Long Trail, which we know is where Paula disappeared from because people saw her on the Long Trail. Yeah. So I don't know where that came from. But regardless, it also could just be that they lost the scent there because yeah, dogs are not infallible.
0: I was going to say they're dogs. They're not robots, which yeah. even then, sometimes, like, stuff just happens. That's the uh, theme of this episode. Shit, Sometimes shit happens. happens. Uh, there is another
1: theory that he actually met his fate at the hands of his parents, which is pretty grim, mm-hmm. uh, in that he had been dinner for the pigs his mother had been caring for.
0: All right. That's not. No.
1: No. I, I would say there's no evidence for that. It's just something that has been brought up. And I think during at the time, like people had speculated that was a possibility. But that's again, like- no
0: evidence of that. That's, like, movie rumor. That is actually, I'm pretty sure, one of the exact, (laughs) like, at the beginning of Jumanji, when Alan Parrish disappears, and then, like, years go by, and people are like, yeah, his dad chopped him up and hid him in the house. Like, it's that kind of shit. It's that kind of, like, gossipy shit. (laughs) Feetening to the pigs. Come on. Uh, It's also possible that, left
1: to his own devices, Paul, who, again, was an eight-year-old boy, just wandered into the woods like he got bored and decided to go play
0: yeah because it sounds like his mom was gone for a long time yeah like this wasn't a thing where like oh i turned around for just
1: like 30 seconds and he was gone like she
0: gone he for sat in hour. the truck yeah which you know
1: it was the 40s or i guess early Boy. 1950s at that point like my parents probably would have done the same thing like i got shit to do can you just wait here be patient. Um, The answer is no. (laughs) His father told a local paper that he believed it was, quote, the lure of the mountains that were to blame for his missing son. So apparently, like, the boy just was big into the woods and had talked of nothing else for days prior to the disappearance. Yeah, kind of
0: like Moana. (laughs) Yeah.
1: (laughs) That's exactly what happened. He went on an adventure just like Moana.
0: Yeah, he took one of the pigs with him. (laughs) Yes. Hanging out with a, a native god, I'm sure. Yes, that that sounds correct. Uh, Our
1: last disappearance uh, happened just two weeks after Paul went missing, uh, when 53-year-old Frida Linger and her cousin went on a hike near the Somerset Reservoir where their family had a campsite. So Frida, again, it is... It's been said that she was an experienced hiker and survivalist, and she knew the area well, which I'm inclined to, like, actually believe in this case, since, like, if this is somewhere where you've gone with your family multiple times, and, like, every year you kind of all go up and to the campsite and hang out, like, that that's a little more likely to me than Mitty Rivers, where the, there's nothing to back up that he was experienced in any way.
0: I, I guess. I don't know if going someplace all the time really... Like, I got well, lost like, in Disneyland once, so... <laughs> Yeah, but you're, you're stupid, Emily.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Some of us do have a sense of direction. <laughs> Fair enough. You say, like, if you, Yeah, if you go to the same campsite every year and you go on the same hikes every summer and you're hanging around the lake, and like you get to know a place pretty well. Uh, so Frida and her cousin had only hiked about half a mile when Frida slipped and fell into a stream. Uh, she asked her cousin to wait for her while she went back to the campsite for a change of clothes. Uh, but when she didn't return, her, husband head- her cousin headed back on his own. But Frida, he learned, had never actually made it back to the campsite. So somewhere in like that half a mile. Poof. Mm. Uh, once again, repeated searches turned up nothing until May 1951, when Frida's badly decomposing body was found near the reservoir in an area that supposedly had, extensi- had extensively been searched the fall before. Um, but, you know, mistakes are made. People burrow under bushes, like, yeah, it's weird, a... but it's not, like, completely unexplainable. Um, no cause of death could ever be determined, and Frida's was the only body that ever turned up.
0: I mean, animals could have dragged it over yeah. there from wherever it's she ended It also
1: reminds me of, we talked about it in the Missing 411 episode, but, like, that woman who hiked the Appalachian Trail, and, like, she went, she stepped off the trail to go to the bathroom and got lost, like... And was found, like, a quarter mile from the trail. Like, you
0: would be surprised how easy it is to get lost in the woods. Just for anyone who's planning on doing any, like, summer hiking or anything, the best thing you can do if you get lost is not move.
1: Yes. Yeah, and that's the other thing. is like, if they had been searching, if she was still alive when they had searched that area and she had continued to wander, like, it's totally... Believable to me that like they had searched it, uh, and then she continued walking to try and find her way, and she eventually that was where she died.
0: Yeah, and I mean it could very well be like she thought that she could find the trail again, but the forest all fucking looks the same, you guys. Like it's, it's all a just bunch trees. of trees.
1: Yeah, there's no like there's very
0: little in the way of
1: landmarks to help guide you through the woods,
0: and even people who are good at being in the woods still die in the woods. Look at that guy mm-hmm. with the van from the book. Uh, you're talking about uh, what's his face? The really scary-looking one. Um, he actually wasn't good at Big in the Woods, but
1: no, I was going to say he was not experienced at all. Uh, but still, yeah, I can't. I can't remember his name it was Chris something. Um, for it, anyways, it doesn't matter. Emil Hirsch. <laughs> Emil Hirsch, yes. Uh, so yeah, it's easy to get lost in the woods. Not that you know people haven't considered some other theories, of course. <laughs> So, these range from, you can probably guess, uh, from mundane to the wildly implausible. (laughs) So, some suspect there was a serial killer hunting the forest of Glastonbury Mountain. Um, Given the variety in victims' ages and genders, that seems very unlikely. I was just going to say, that's not how it works. Also, I feel like the woods is just a bad place to be a serial killer. Like,
0: um, uh, I mean, yes, to. to primarily find your victims it is a terrible place because there are no guarantees especially if you're a very specific man um but it is a place where a lot of them end up uh i mean ted bundy obviously decided (laughs) to make his own personal graveyard out of a mountain um oh that guy with the weird dick from alaska (sighs) robert hansen robert hansen he took them out to the woods i'm sure there were others but those are the two that i can think of right now yeah
1: it's just, you don't really hear about people being, like, abducted from the wilderness necessarily, though.
0: No, that's just, it's a bad place for that because yeah. it's very, very unpredictable and there aren't a lot of people out there. Yeah.
1: Whereas you can just, you know, go to a red light district and pick up a sex worker because no one's going to
0: notice that they're missing. Like. Or go to a grocery store and pick up a child. Like, it's not hard. <laughs> yeah. That, that makes it sound like I'm doing that on the weekends. I hate children. <laughs> it's not Not making hard. it better. <laughs> not making it better. Uh... <laughs> I don't kidnap children. I definitely do not take children from grocery stores. Emily, just stop. Stop. I'm going to get arrested. Uh, So
1: other theories. It could, of course, be the Bennington Monster and or Bigfoot are possibly
0: aliens. (laughs)
1: Uh, i put like my I said, on
0: aliens if we're doing this. Yeah, so
1: UFOs are apparently a common sight in the skies over Glastonbury. So maybe maybe people are getting abducted by aliens from the woods, which I would find more likely than a serial killer abducting people from the woods, honestly. Aliens return people, though. <laughs> this is true. Uh, John Keel, our yeah. big, our, All right. uh, good friend, John Keel, a fun <laughs> band of fame, the pod. Uh, He blamed uh, window areas. And scare quotes, what? Uh, which are interdimensional vortexes? The missing could have, you know, wandered through on accident.
0: So, like rifts in the space-time continuum.
1: Yeah. All right. Sure. Um. You know, it could be that rock that eats people. Again, I I need <laughs> so much more information about that. And that's all there is, Emily. There's a legend that there's a rock that eats people. Do we have pictures of the rock? No, it's ju- it looks like any other rock in the mountain, and if you accidentally touch it, it will eat you.
0: God damn it. <laughs> That's the thing I'm interested in. So, you know, all of these, they're varying levels of
1: possible. Uh, it also could just be, as we have discussed, that it is much easier than you would think to for people to go missing in the woods. Uh, and possibly that search and rescue teams in the 1940s just, you know, weren't properly equipped weren't to great, find yeah. them.
0: Um. Do we have any more information on the monster? Is it just that one story, or have other people seen it?
1: No, there's been, like, other stories. I just didn't want to get into them much, because, like, I, I'm not interested. <laughs> it's just, it's, you know, the usual
0: Bigfoot stuff. Yeah, They I mean, see a hairy guy in the woods. <laughs> yes, that's exactly what it was. It was Brendan Fraser and Encino Man. <laughs> yes, correct. I mean, um, of all the things to, like, kidnap me in the woods, that would probably be, like, top of the list. <laughs>
1: I also, like, I don't understand this idea that Bigfoot, like, would be interested in kidnapping humans, because I think if there was actually, like, a crazy big tall creature living in the woods, for it to have gone discovered for this long, like, it clearly is avoiding people to quite a degree.
0: Yeah, I I think it's probably more scared of us than we are of it. Well, no, because humans are fucking weird, but. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. What what would be the like? Bigfoot doesn't eat people, so what would what would it accomplish? You just yeah, have a fucking person. What does Bigfoot person? get
1: from yeah picking up some person in the woods? Qui bono, Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, just my little little ending here is that I will be the first to admit it is fun to speculate. Five disappearances in five years is certainly an anomaly, Um, and because we're human, it's natural for us to want to find a reason. Like no one likes to think that the world could be this devastatingly random. Sometimes it is.
0: It is, and it sucks. But and that's the bummer note we're going to
1: end the season on.
0: (laughs) I don't know. It's been the '40s, so I think it's in that time period where it's okay to make fun of it now. I'm still very sad that these people. Time plus, yeah. Well, but if you think about it, it's three older people. Granted, mm-hmm. the last lady was in her 50s, but, um, you know, <laughs> older people get confused sometimes, especially when they were, what, in their 70s? Um, Mitty Rivers was
1: in his 70s. Um, Tedford was 68, I think. Okay. Um, but, yeah, like, it's possible, like, he had dementia and got off the bus at the wrong stop and... Yeah, Who knows and it was what the, could have happened to him after Well, it was that,
0: the 40s, yeah. and there wasn't any way to, like, track people. Like, mm-hmm. if he didn't remember, how is someone else going to remember? And, like, that's assuming a lot, but so is yeah. disappearing from a bus seat. Uh, mm-hmm. And then you have an 8-year-old boy. It's an 8-year-old boy. Yeah. They, get lo- they, they get lost very easily. Um, They also run off. And then, what, like, a teenage girl, mid- early 20s? Yeah, she would have been 19 or 20, but, like, I also see, like, she
1: had this, like, I don't know what – I can't think of the word I was going to use. Like, she, he had this, like, hair to grow off into the woods, but she wasn't necessarily prepared for it. Like, she wasn't wearing a winter jacket. It was kind of just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to go on a hike. And it was kind of late in the day. And, like, she, it, it just seems that she was vastly unprepared for the hike that she thought she was going – or the hike that she was going on. Like, yeah, she thought which- it was just kind of a walk in the woods and – the long trail decidedly isn't.
0: Yeah, it's like those two girls in South America who went missing yeah. and everyone like assumed weird shit and they just, one got hurt and they didn't know where they were. Um, mm-hmm. If I ever go missing after a hike, don't assume I got kidnapped by aliens. Assume that I got fucking lost.
1: <laughs> yes. And that's to say, like if you are going to go on a hike, tell people where you're going. Tell people when you're going to be back. If you don't know where you are, stay put so people can find
0: you. Like, And always have a whistle on you. Yeah. And just be prepared when you go out into the woods and to, into nature like that. And that's hiking advice from the two
1: softest people on the planet. <laughs> I was going to say, I like to tell people to go on hikes and it's like, I'm going to go to this park in the middle of the city and go down a trail.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, we're at very little risk of getting lost when we go hiking later this summer. <laughs> yeah. Especially in the Japanese gardens. Um-
1: <laughs> we will still tell us people where we're going, though.
0: Yes, yes, Travis knows where we're going. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, aliens are very plausible. I'm not going to completely discount the idea of space-time continuum rifts because we don't know how the universe fucking works. No? So, sure. I just don't think it's Bigfoot. Um... For the aforementioned reasons of Bigfoot doesn't benefit from this.
1: Yeah. If I like, was going to rank reasons, Bigfoot definitely would be near the, bo- near the bottom.
0: He may have kidnapped that eight-year-old kid just so he had a sidekick, like someone to talk to. But I don't think he's <laughs> kidnapping old men. Especially not from buses. That doesn't seem like his his bag.
1: No, I don't know how Bigfoot would have got on the bus unnoticed, but you never know. Maybe he, too, was an interdimensional being.
0: There are theories about that that I'm not going to get into. Um <laughs> I don't want to hear a single goddamn word about how I agreed with John Keel on something. <laughs> Again, I watched The Mothman Prophecies, color me unimpressed. Um, although, I was talking to Avalon about that movie the other day, and like he said he thought it was creepy, so maybe I watched it wrong. Or maybe Avalon's just wrong. <laughs> he is going to listen to this. Good. <laughs> <laughs> Have you watched the new Conjuring movie?
1: No, shit, I got to do that Sarah. this weekend. I know, oh, I know. God. Sorry, I've been playing Stardew Valley again.
0: <laughs> that's that's fair. That's fine. Um. All right. So we will be back in August. A time August. In August.
1: Um. Something. August twelfth. Okay. Something like that.
0: Yeah. We're just gonna take a little break. Um. Emily needs to f- f- like recharge her brain, and I need
1: to procrastinate for a month and a half.
0: Yeah, I will probably write the next episode. Um. <laughs> the Wednesday before we record it or whatever. <laughs> Sounds about right. That's how yep. that's how we do. But that being said, we will miss you. I look forward to all of the comments that we are gonna get on this episode.
1: Yes, I always look forward to
0: these reviews. Just know that I'm willing to admit that we don't know. <laughs> so if you made it this far you That's don't very generous to- of us comparatively, so Yeah. I'm not saying we were hard on missing four one one. I'm just saying that this one I'm willing to admit that there's some stuff up in the air. There literally could be stuff up in the air. I don't know maybe that contributed. <laughs> anyway, we're on uh, Instagram and Twitter at afternoonified. Um, get You can email us at afternoonifiedpod at gmail.com. Remember to rate, subscribe, review and all of that fun stuff. And unless you're a Bigfoot
1: person, then just go quietly into that good night please.
0: If're <laughs> if you're a rational Bigfoot, never mind. Um,
1: anyway, we'll see you guys in August. <laughs> Goodbye, we'll miss you, and we love you.
0: Bye. Oh, hello. It's me, the ghost who haunts your phone. Just kidding, it's actually me, Avalon, the host of Boohaha, which is a
1: thing that I do, a podcast, if you will, that happens some weeks, not all. Don't wait up, it's fine, we'll call you. Shut up. Anyway, it's about ghosts and tangents. Mostly tangents, if I'm being entirely honest. So join me each and every week-ish as I gather the funniest people I know to a campfire that I build in my living room and then regale them with spooky tales of boogans and gugas. Oh, also, it's a comedy podcast, if that wasn't clear from the vibe, you know.
0: For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This is As Above, So Below.